This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Audrey Cooper, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. As we watch the Bay Area curve flatten, our collective anxiety is turning to when we might be able to manage to return to some semblance of normalcy. Virtually every politician and public health expert agrees that will depend on how quickly we can ramp up testing for the coronavirus. We know so much more about this virus than we did a month ago. We know that asymptomatic people can spread it. We know it can be very mild in some people and deadly for others. We know some countries have begun to open their societies thanks to extremely aggressive testing. And we also know that the United States is nowhere near where we need to be in order to quickly and regularly test large populations. Joining me to talk about where we are with testing and when it might increase in the Bay Area and California is health reporter Catherine Ho. Kat, maybe we can start with just giving a lay of the land. How many people have been tested in California so far? So, so far, it's about 250,000 people in the state that have been tested. Uh, Not all of them have their results yet, um, but most of them do. And that number has been um, rising gradually over the last several weeks. um, And uh, it hasn't been rising as much as we'd like it to be rising. And, you know, we want to be testing a lot more people than we currently are. Yeah, we were we we all thought I think, or at least I did, that um, soon after this broke out and and shortly after the shelter in place, we were warned um, incidents are going to spike. They're going to go up hugely because we're going to be testing all of those people. And it seemed like the testing got a little bit better and the cases didn't really spike. So has our access to tests truly improved over the last couple of weeks? I think it it has improved um, based on our reporting and, and speaking to people who've tried to get tested. Um, we aren't hearing as much kind of, you know, a few weeks ago, people were, were desperate to get tested and they were being turned away, even in some ER settings, because, you know, they just weren't sick enough or their or their lungs weren't in bad enough shape. Um, we haven't heard as much of that um, this week. And that's not to say that everyone who's asked for a test has been able to get tested. I, I don't know if that's true, but it, it seems like with so many more test sites opening up and a lot of those test sites are actually... Um, you're not seeing the long lines, you know, that we saw a few weeks ago when some sites were opening up. Um, so it, it does seem like overall it, it, it has um, the the shortage has eased a bit. There's not as much of this, you know, desperation that, that we saw a few weeks ago. Yeah, it definitely. I, I know we had colleagues who weren't sure if they had the flu or the coronavirus and being told again and again that they they couldn't get tested to just 
waited out. That doesn't seem to be happening anymore. But what I still hear happening quite a bit is people saying, I took a test and it's still been days and I still don't know if I have the coronavirus or not. Has the backlog improved? The backlog, uh, this is, that's a great question. This has been a big problem in California. Um, the backlog has improved. Um, at its peak, it was almost 60,000 pending tests were sitting in, in, you know, various labs across the state. Um, that backlog has since been reduced to about 7,000. So that's a major drop, but 7,000 is still a lot of tests. You know, that's still a lot of people waiting to get the results and not really knowing how they should, um, I guess, feel or go, you know, they're probably isolating themselves uh, out of an abundance of caution, but being able to know those results uh, for yourself are really important. And it seems you know, if we still have a backlog of 7,000, certainly that's better than the 60,000 we had before. But we also know that this disease can be carried by people who have no symptoms at all. And you have to assume that the people who are being tested are still the ones who were pretty sure that they have a reason to think that they might have the coronavirus. In order to get where we need to be, doesn't this backlog need to get to zero and and be instantaneous? Yes, it does. Um, a, a lot of people are waiting, you know, up to 10 days um, to get those results. And, you, you know, if we're going to be reopening things, uh, we really need to be able to get results back right away, you know, within hours or, uh, you know, the slowest, maybe the next day. What are the solutions on the horizon to get rid of this backlog? I mean, is it just a matter of um, more workers, more more sites doing the lab tests? Is there any solution on the horizon for that? Yeah. So a, a big problem right now has been getting supplies. So there's been a swab shortage. These are the things that, um, you know, when you go get tested, you get stuck up your nose and they take a sample. So a lot of labs and a lot of um, hospitals just haven't been able to get enough of these swabs. And this is like a, a global issue. This is a, a global supply chain issue. So it's not necessarily um, unique to California or the Bay Area, but this has been a persistent problem, um, you know, for weeks, months now. I understand why you need the swab to do the tests, but if the problem is then taking those swabs and seeing if they have coronavirus on them, how do how do we fix that problem? So that is interesting because the, the story we're working on right now is finding that we actually do have a lot of unused lab capacity that are running, that are capable of running thousands of tests a day, but are only running uh, a few hundred or in some cases, even a few dozen. So I think the issues there, the supplies are still one of them, because if you don't have swabs, you can't do a test. Um, but there are also some kind of problems that point to how fragmented our healthcare system is. So for example, you know, some hospitals and insurance companies have contracts with certain labs to send samples to only those labs and not others. And maybe the labs they have contracts with have backlogs uh, and they're unable to send them to a different lab. I think, you know, that's a really excellent point because this this idea of the fragmentation of the healthcare system really seems like it has been on full display during this pandemic. Um where where do we need to put the tests right now? Because we know some places private insurers have lots of tests, it appears, and other places we don't have enough. So where do we need to 
um, start ramping up testing specifically? So I think the most urgent areas right now are, you know, homeless shelters, nursing homes, uh, jails. You know, these are settings where people are living really close with one another and sharing space, you know, bathrooms, eating areas. Um, and that's, and we've already seen, you know, some pretty bad outbreaks in nursing homes here uh, and in homeless shelters in the city. So I think that's where the priority needs to be right now, because that's where uh, the risk of spread is the highest. And is this fragmentation that you referred to part of the reason why it's been difficult to get them? I'm thinking specifically the nursing homes, because we know that population is already uh, vulnerable to to the virus and can be among the hardest hit. Is the fragmentation and the private ownership of these long-term care facilities part of the problem of getting tests to them in an accurate, in an accurate and cohesive way? Um, I think. I think the problem there has been um, the public health departments are are kind of the ones setting the policy for who can get tested or not. And so in nursing homes, you know, there's so much concern about even though people are not showing symptoms yet, they should still be tested because there could be asymptomatic spreaders. Um, But right now, the policy in most uh, public health departments is to only test sick people. So um, there just aren't enough tests available to be able to test everybody. Well, you make a really good point in your in your story that published this weekend on sfchronicle.com about the San Francisco homeless shelter where um, two, I think two-thirds of the population of the people in that shelter eventually tested positive for coronavirus, but none of them had any severe symptoms, which is really very scary um, if you're thinking about trying to contain this outbreak. If you're not even showing symptoms, you don't know who to test, and then you start testing everybody, and everybody has it. That's really frightening. Yeah, this is the big problem, and you know, this is something that um, you know infectious disease experts have been saying for a while now. Um, asymptomatic spreaders, we know now, are uh, probably you know one of the drivers of this uh, everywhere. And it's especially true in these kind of enclosed living spaces where you're all, you know, sharing air and and it's just almost impossible to do social distancing because there are so many of you in, you know, one building. Well, and they're also, you know, we know that the homeless population has multiple diagnoses and mental illness is a is a major part of that too. And it's it's hard when you're when you're healthy to, to maintain and a social distance, but when you're, you know, when you have addiction issues and mental illness and physical disabilities and all the compounding problems we know that homeless people suffer, it makes it a lot more difficult to follow the best public health practices too. Absolutely. I'm speaking with Catherine Ho about the status of testing for coronavirus in California. I want to take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about um, the role that this is going to play in reopening society. We'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. Before we went to break, we were talking about where we were with testing and where we needed to get to. Um, I think my main question is, Who's ultimately in charge of making sure that we can scale testing to the to the levels that we know we need? So ultimately, the, this is the state that's trying to manage this. Um, Governor Gavin Newsom said, uh, we're trying to test 25,000 people a day by the end of April. Uh, they haven't been super clear about where that number came from. Um, but that is many more a day than we're currently testing right now. Um, so his office has formed uh, this task force to try to get testing supplies to the right places, you know, to the to the most high risk settings like nursing homes. Um, and they're trying they, they know this is a big problem um, and they are trying to kind of reallocate and redistribute uh, supplies where they're most needed and kind of get them to the labs that have the most capacity unused capacity to run those tests how are we doing compared to other states and testing people we're not doing too great um, so based on uh, some data from every state that's been um, tracking testing per capita, California is actually one of the lowest. I think we're, last I checked, we're 40-something out of 50. Um, and that's been uh, an ongoing problem. And why why does California have this problem? You would think we have a large population. We have a very technologically um, advanced society. We should have places to do this sort of work. Yeah, that's been kind of a mystery we, we've been trying to solve. It's really not clear. So we know that um, California, for example, compared to New York, New York has been testing the most people per capita. Uh, And we think that's because um, the outbreak is just number one worse there. There are more sick people there, more people getting tested. Um, But also New York developed its own lab test, lab developed test, um, early on. So they did this back in February and they were, uh, if not the only, one of the only states that did that on their own. So while California and many other states were waiting um, to get the CDC test shipped to them, New York had their own test um, and they were able to test more people sooner. Why can't we just take their test? (laughs) I mean, why why is this so complicated that we have to have our own bespoke stuff? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think the, the test that they developed was done by their, um, state public health lab. And I'm not quite sure why one state can't share their tests with another state. Um, that's actually a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Are all the tests out there essentially testing the same thing? I mean, what what is what are the differences between all of these tests, or or are there significant differences? Uh, they're they're mostly similar. Um, they're called PCR tests. So I think the biggest difference in testing from a layperson's point of view is there are these lab tests, these P- uh, PCR tests that. Uh, you know, you get samples collected, you send them off to a lab and they come back in, you know, a day or three days or five days. Um, in the last few weeks, there have been these newer, faster, rapid diagnostic tests that um, 
report results uh, within the hour. And so we've seen, um, like, for example, I think a lot of people have heard about the new Abbott test. It's called ID Now. Um, and that uh, goes into you know, hospitals and medical clinics, you can put in a sample and you can get your result <clears throat> within 13 or 15 minutes. Um, the limitation with those is they can only run one test per per um, 15 minutes. So you can't run, you know, batches of thousands or hundreds of them the way you can with the PCR lab tests. That that 15 minute test has received a lot of attention because it seems like that's where we really need to get. What I don't understand is we know it works. Why is there not one of those in every Walgreens parking lot in America? Right. That's a great question. Um, so there are some limitations with that one of them being on the production side. So these tests have to be run on, you know, these very specific machines and they're all made by this one company Abbott. So, you know, Abbott has been making and distributing these tests to um almost 200,000 uh, tests I think to hospitals and clinics around the country. Um and it's ramping up production um over the next couple months. So, you know, that's definitely um it seems to be improving. It's being worked on. Um, but there are some limitations with just making enough of them. What what are the next key steps that we need to take to know that we're we're stepping in the right direction, do you think? So I think we need to get um, definitely cleared the backlog because, you know, in order to start lifting these shelter in place orders, we need to know that people are going to be able to get tested and get their results back right away uh, and that the people they've come into contact with recently uh, will be able to be told right away, hey, if you came in contact with this person who tested positive, you need to go self-quarantine. Um, so we we need to be able to act much more quickly. Is it fair to say that this is going to be the thing that do you, do you think after after looking into this, that, that the limitations on testing people is going to be what delays the return to normalcy? Um, I think... I think it could be, but we just don't know enough about um, really what progress we're making day to day. You know, the state says we we have this goal of being able to test tens of thousands of people in really the next two weeks. And then we'll revisit the reopening question uh, in early May. But we're not quite sure, well, exactly how many people are we testing out, you know, and is that testing going to kind of have to concentrate in these congregate setting areas we talked about, you know, like nursing homes, jails, homeless shelters? Um, you know, we're not going to be able to test and we probably don't need to test every single person. Um, but we do need to figure out, you know, where our priorities should be for testing and kind of target those areas. Mm-hmm. Like the healthcare workers and the people in the nursing homes, and maybe even people in the schools, uh, since we know children can be vectors too. We don't want the teachers going in and spreading them once when schools get back up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Kat, thanks so much for explaining all of this to us today. Thank you. I'd like to thank health reporter Catherine Ho for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. 
If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.